1: Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach.
2: I'm Leo Phillips, host of This Must Be The Gig. We're a weekly podcast that documents everything about the world of live music speaking with choreographers, costume and set designers, the people who run beloved venues and festivals, and, of course, speaking with musicians about that one gig that changed their lives. Get your peek behind the curtain at consequenceofsound.net, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.
1: Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with. Audio interview series presented by WFPK Independent Louisville at WFPK.org, Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network. Hello to the subscribers out there. Thank you for checking out the series every single uh, week. In fact, three times a week as we release episodes around here. Uh, if, uh, if you want to do me a favor, uh, wherever you're subscribed from, uh, please give the series a little rating and, and a review uh, if you feel so inspired. And of course, if you're not a subscriber, now's a great time to do that as well. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, a new interview arrives in your subscription box. Would love to keep you up to date. And of course, you can do that at all of the big spots with uh, iTunes and Apple Podcasts and Spotify and YouTube and Stitcher, and Acast, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I'm Kyle O'Meara. Today, I'm going to be talking once again to Corin Tucker of Slater-Kinney. Now, we talked to earlier this year when she released a brand new record with her other band, Filthy Friends. And in that interview, she was telling me, oh, yeah, there's going to be a new Slater-Kinney record this uh, this year. And it's produced by Annie Clark of St. Vincent. Expect something radical. And that's exactly what we got with The center Won't Hold. Corinne and I are going to talk about what went into the recording and and how different it does feel, not just to the fans, but to her personally, where this comes from. She says it actually has roots back to the 2015 record, No Cities to Love. But we will get into fan expectations, uh, not just on a sound but what we expect from this band to be singing about. We're in a very important moment in cultural history, and that's reflected on this record. In songs like The Future Is Here and Broken, which closes out the record, she'll tell us about that as well. And it also takes a hard look at technology. And In fact, it's the 20th anniversary of the Slater-Kinney record The Hot Rock, which dealt with that as a big theme itself. So we'll tie the two together to see how that works as a then and now. And we'll hear how this record speaks Going into the 2020 election year, the band plans to stay active. They got a lot in the works, and we're going to hear about that as well. Talking about the album The Center Won't Hold, it's Kyle Meredith with Corin Tucker of slater Kenny. Hey, Kyle. Congratulations on the new record.
2: Thank you so much.
1: I know We were just catching up earlier this year about Filthy Friends, and it all seemed like such the dream at that point. So it's been really <laughs> exciting to see it happen.
2: Yeah, it's been quite a year. Yeah,
1: I, I'm sure it has for you. You know, a lot a lot's been said about this record. So much, it seems like has been said about this record, maybe more than even the comeback record at this point. And a lot of that, you know, has to do with the sound, of course. I I sort of wanted to know, does it feel that different for you? Because, you know, the fans are saying one thing, but does it sound that different to you?
2: I think that we were kind of playing with some of the synth sounds on our last record, even on No Cities. You know, we kind of dipped our toe into adding synthesizer to some of those songs, even the title track, No Cities. And what I felt like we did is, is we wanted to expand on that, on this record, which we did. And I, you know, I get that it sounds different to people, but to me, I felt like we were kind of headed in that direction. So it's it's blending things that we've already done, but it's just pulling people a little bit further into this other world.
1: You can dress a song up in a lot of different clothes, and at the bass, it's kind of the same song in, in one way or the other. Is there a space where these songs could have sounded like that classic sound?
2: I mean, I think that, you know, I think live people will hear more guitar, you know, because the, the voicing live. The, the you know the guitar is going to come through a little bit more than it probably did on the studio album so i think people might hear that when they come to the live show actually
1: did you find it easy then you know to stretch your songwriting was it much of a challenge to get in there and, and kind of take it further down that road
2: i mean i think it was actually sort of enjoyable to try writing in a different way with different voices and sometimes when you're just Using the same instrument over and over, you can kind of, you know, get a little bit of like writer's block or like, oh, I feel like I've done this before. Um, but with writing on keyboard or, you know, really letting voice be the driver of the song, you know, it kind of opens up into pushing yourself into do, into trying something different. And sometimes that can come almost more, more easily.
1: You talk about writing in different characters. I know one of the songs specifically with The Future Is here that becomes a big part of the narrative there, right? with, uh, as you've said, both masculine and feminine.
2: Yeah. I mean, that was a really interesting challenge for me was to write something that physically, you know, it's like a, a low range, but it also, you know, is kind of taking on different characters that are both masculine and feminine. And I think that you do that on stage, you play with different aspects of your personality or different characters, but I think, Rock has always kind of lent itself to playing with gender. And that's something that I wanted to definitely like expand on with this album.
1: That title in itself, The Future Is Here, it sort of sounds like an end of days title. But as I read, it actually comes from somewhere a bit more inspirational. With uh, what, what is Weirdo Night?
2: Weirdo Night is this amazing theater night that happens in L.A., and it's really about performance art. It's about spoken word, comedy, and beautiful singing. Um, this man, Joseph Keckler, was singing um, these gorgeous, almost opera songs. And it was just so inspiring to see this creative output, you know, that, that people really poured their hearts out into. And so... You know, it inspired us to kind of try something different with our music and to push ourselves in terms of the characters that would be on this album.
1: I think that also says something about that whole uh, face-to-face community thing. And and I, what I'm getting at is last time you and I talked earlier in the year, we talked about the 20th anniversary of the Slater Kinney record, The Hot Rock and how it's sort of put that, fear wasn't the right word, but maybe a warning to the growing technology at the time. And that comes back around on this, right? I mean, they, these two records, it, it's not, I'm not wrong by saying they sort of share that DNA. You
2: well, know, there's just a sense of aboding, um in terms of the relationship technology on both albums um, and questioning of, you know, where is this taking us, you know, like. How is it affecting us? You know, that's that's really the question I think we need to ask. It's not that it's not that I don't like technology. I obviously use it in my everyday life, like everybody does. But I think we need to we need to ask what the consequences are and what what that relationship is bringing us.
1: What do you think? Then uh, looking back on that. You know, when it when it was 1999 and the things that we were kind of scared of then, I mean, obviously, we've gone further down that that hole there, you know, but uh, but but what does that say that 20 years later, there's just more of it or does it say anything to you?
2: I mean, I think that our relationship with technology has definitely deepened. And I think, I think in a lot of ways, you know, we, we have made advances, things that are important, like cleaner energy and safety, like GPS and, and being able to locate people when you need to. And those are good advances. I just think that we need to deeply examine how affected we are by certain kinds of technology and what those consequences are.
1: I mean, I check my social things every single day, but I wouldn't be mad if someone, you know, pulled the plug tomorrow i just
2: <laughs> oh. yeah i mean i think i think that it's you know social media is is one of those things that can be very useful but it also I, I think it can be kind of addictive and kind of can bring out the worst in us so you know i think maybe restructuring it might be might be a healthy thing
1: a lot of fans do hold this band very very close to a personal degree and i think there are expectations for Slater Kinney to say something you know the, these big topics do you feel that weights, and, and does it ever get to like you know maybe sometimes I just want to write a love song
2: I mean I think that we try and give ourselves the freedom to you know write whatever wherever we're at but I also think that it's a it's a privilege to be in the position that we're in to have the kind of audience that we have, you know? And so you know, it's just part of our DNA is, is talking about politics and culture, you know, it's just kind of who we are as writers. And so I definitely think that's, that's always going to be part of, of what we're writing.
1: I, I think I was reading uh it's probably pitchfork or something where you're talking about some of the influences of this record. And, and you actually mentioned the Depeche Mode record, the uh, spirit that came out.
2: Yeah. I love that album. You know, and I just it was like such a nice thing that to come upon, you know, late in their career, you know. Such a good record.
1: And it and it, it kinda hit me in in that same way. I mean, uh Depeche Mode and Slater Kinney, you know, sound wise maybe you're finally meeting in the middle, you know, closer than you ever have, but they've sort of, you know, had that thing too about uh about the fan expectations and uh and I don't know. It, there's not a lot of bands, uh, you know. We want to hear what we want to hear from a band, but there's something about a band like Slater Kenny where uh, it just seems like it's more. And and I guess you know maybe you've already answered that with with the whole privilege thing, but that uh, it's I find it really really interesting.
2: Yeah, I mean it's it's intense <laughs> for sure, um, you know. But I think also like it's kind of the reason why the live show is so important to us. Is because that's sort of our moment to play in front of people and to really see who we are. And we draw from the whole catalog and, you know, we put some teeth some and Brit and guitar into the whole thing. And I think I think people will really see there's a through line through all of the album.
1: I, I will ask about one more of those songs, too, because the record closes with Broken, which is a really pretty song. But of course, what you're singing about is not exactly (laughs) a very pretty moment in in, in history. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about that, both in, in what you're singing about, but also in, in, you know, putting together this style of song, because again, it does seem different for you all.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think that song was something that uh, Carrie was working on in terms of, you know, wanting to have this like intense and emotional moment. I mean, the, the, the music was very emotional, and it just happened that, you know, we're watching the testimony of Christine Blasey Ford, you know, the night before we went into the studio for that round of recording. And to me, you know, the fact that this man, you know, Brett Kavanaugh, that's so obviously a, a sexual predator, has been, <laughs> he's been confirmed onto the Supreme Court. It's like that, to me, is saying that our, our system is really broken for women. And it really makes, it makes us feel broken, you know, to, to, to not feel respected. Um, so that's where that song came from. You know, it came from those feelings and it just was just a pure expression of that kind of sadness.
1: It is a very powerful song and a very powerful way to end a very powerful record. This is one of my favorite Slater-Kinney records. Uh, I, I cannot get enough of it. <laughs> and, you know, and again, I want to thank you for the music and congratulate you all on this, especially at an important time like this. I mean, um, next year, uh, of course, is a very important year with 2020. Do you see you all staying active throughout that, uh, being part of the um, the more uh, in that conversation, I guess, in the more physical
2: sense? Absolutely. It's absolutely something we want to be a part of. Um, we'll be working with Headcount on our whole tour to help register people to vote. You know, just to encourage people to to be active and to have the conversation about where we're going as a country.
1: Well, Corinne, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. I, I appreciate you taking the time today. Again, thanks for the Center Won't Hold and the, and the conversation today.
2: Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
1: All right. Take care.
2: Okay, you too. Bye.
1: Always my thanks to Corin Tucker of slater Kenny. The new Slater-Kinney record is called The Center Won't Hold, and it's out now. Now, as a little bonus interview here. I'm also going to include the, uh, the uh, phoner with Corin that I had earlier this year. Again, uh, this is when she released the second Filthy Friends record called Emerald Valley. And you get a bit more of the conversation that we were having in this most recent interview here. Part two of Kyle Meredith with Corin Tucker.
2: Hi, how's it going? I have
1: so much to ask you because I feel like there's so much going on with you all right now. But uh, but let's start with, uh, <laughs> with Filthy Friends and this new record, Emerald Valley. I was so excited to hear that... Uh, that the new record is 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 already coming and everything, and this sort of like this makes it real, right? It wasn't just a one off project. It, was there a point where it really started to feel like a band?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think on the first record we had more fun and got more out of it as a project than we thought we would, and we were just sort of realizing our pot- potential when it was like, okay, tour's over, and <laughs> you know, and so I feel like we were already kind of writing a bunch of songs and thinking about, like, okay, well, what will we do for the next record? So this record, I mean, it actually has taken us several years to kind of chip away at, and, uh, yeah, I'm so happy with how it turned out.
1: If you knew that it was going to happen, if you knew that there was definitely going to be a second record right away, when did the session start, and, 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 and what were they like?
2: We rehearsed, you know, a few times here and there, um, and had, like, some material ideas. I mean, Peter and I, you know, we kind of get together in Portland and write and try out different songs. And, you know, he had some really cool ideas along with this long, weird kind of Zeppelin-y thing that turned out to be Emerald Valley. And I just started really thinking about that song and what we could do with it. And and that kind of was like the germ of, of what was happening. And so we worked on that. And then we didn't, really go into the studio until like last summer we went into the studio here in portland and then and we really kind of did it in a traditional style where we you know we did all the basics and all the vocals i think yeah maybe within like 10 days
1: you ever wonder how peter buck keeps up with all of the songs because i mean we, he's more like five or six bands at this point right
2: <laughs> i know he's He's like a machine, I mean the man is he's always got like four new songs. he's like, "Oh well, I want to show you this, and I have this idea, you know, like he just has one of those brains that's always kind of going, and he's always playing guitar and thinking of things, and so
1: it's just amazing how many how many riffs yeah. must be in that man's head to keep up with it at any yeah. certain point, you know to call out for sure, <laughs> oh. So, I don't know if, you know, I'm taking a lot, uh, too, from Last Chance County, because coming from the other record, I mean, this was definitely, uh, you know, uh, the first record was definitely a heavy record in in plenty of the parts, but I wonder, is this, would, would you define this as an angrier record than the first time around? I mean, there's a lot of reason for it to be, if so.
2: Yeah, it's definitely angry, and it's really sad, too. You know, I mean, I think the record is really about where we're at. And I mean that sort of specific to the region, the Willamette Valley that that we live in and just witnessing the effects of climate change kind of firsthand here. And because I've lived here since I was 12 years old in the Pacific Northwest. And so, you know, I really remember what it used to be like and how it's changed and and how sad I am that, you know, we haven't done more to, you know, protect the environment and, you know, and the people that, that really serve us here, you know, which have long been you know migrant workers in this in this area a lot of people you know come up here from mexico to to pick the food and pick strawberries and you know other produce that we have here and that's kind of the traditional way that our region has survived and Um, you know, I really think that we should think about as a society, treat each other. I think that we need to be really, you know, much more thoughtful about immigrants and migrant workers and the people that are that come here and a lot of them stay and, and, and help create our economy.
1: Yeah, it becomes very frustrating for me. I mean I'm in I'm in Kentucky. I'm in a other than the Ohio River, I'm in a landlocked state and you know, whereas the internet's the the um, the promise of the internet was to make the world a smaller place, but but it, you know that the, the internet seems like a great failed experiment in plenty of ways. But in one of these, it, that's very frustrating to me because uh, I mean, the environment is one of my biggest passions, and when you're not on the coast, you don't see it as much. And to have all of these people around me that just you know I'm the word is deny, you know, they just completely mm-hmm. flat out ignore that it's ever happened. It's It's fucking scary is what it is.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's outrageous. And I think the thing is, is that we we're like living with the effects already, you know, like we were warned, like, Oh, you know, the climate is going to change. Mm. Like, no, the climate has changed. The climate has, we, we are living on this like hotter, weirder planet. And we have to use that, that as, you know, as a fuel, as like a, as a, impetus to, to make serious changes.
1: So, you know, we'll, we'll bridge that into the actual songwriting here because, you know, to write topical is one thing and, and you could go very direct, but, but I, I, I sort of sense that the trick that you're pulling here is, you know, to use that, that poetry of, of seeing the past and kind of bringing it into the present and, and building it into more stories, I guess. Is that right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I definitely try to do, you know, try to like paint a picture You know, and almost think of it as like a collection of short stories, because I think that is really, you know, what people are drawn to in a song is what is the story of the song. And so... For me, growing up here and having such a visceral experience of this region, I try to, to really paint a picture for people of, you know, what it was like to grow up here, what, you know, how beautiful it is here and how lucky I think we are to, to live in such a beautiful place. But show, I think there's definitely like a range of things going on. There's definitely, you know, songs about how concerned we are about the, you know, the change of what's happening as well.
1: Yeah, because I, I think the quote that I've read of you talking about Last Chance County is, you know, a teenage girl riding the bus through a depressed northwest town in the 80s and the frustrations that you saw there. And I think that that last point of that line was, I feel like, you know, a really important part, as you're pointing out right here, is to not paint it in those rose-colored glass lens, you know, filter or whatever, but but to say, yeah, it was bad then and it's only gotten worse, I guess.
2: Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think that, you know, for... The lucky few who, you know, have like those super upper middle class jobs, conditions are, it is like this super great place to live. And it has all these wonderful restaurants and like I'm talking about Portland. But I think that there are so many working class people that did not get that, you know, that situation. And it was, you know, it has been really depressed. And I don't think that um, for those people, they are making the kind of living right? The kind of like, you know, sustained workable living to keep up with the the rise in, in rent and the rise in, in housing costs and everything else. It's just, it can't be so like have and have not as it is right now.
1: So going after these themes in this way, do you find that that influences the type of music that you put behind it?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think that, I think that we've tried to do, you know, it's definitely a rock record. And I think that we've really, we've really embraced that. But I think that we do try and do some different moods with it. Like Last Chance County is really like this fun, sort of punky song that really came at the end of recording, which is, it's really funny. But there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of really interesting moody songs, like this song called Pipeline, that really is just a total mood piece. It's very kind of dark and and slow, and and that is something that I love about Filthy Friends is that everyone is all in for a mood. You know, no one no one breaks out. It's it, everyone is there to serve the song. And so if I'm you know kind of doing this sort of darker poetry thing, everyone's. Completely all in, and it's it really is fun to paint a picture that way.
1: Jumping back in time a little bit too, because something like um, catalaca it seemed like that gave you time away from the big issues at hand, kind of kind of to, to be able to have fun and breathe a little bit. But now you have two fully operating bands, and I don't know. I get the sense that you it's it's more opportunities to actually target those bigger issues than just one album at a time.
2: Yeah, I mean, the times we're living in, uh, to me, are. Pretty turbulent, and I just think that uh, I think this record, the Emerald Valley record, just it just really came out of that, and we all really wanted a way to express that. And and you know, I just I feel I feel the 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 opportunities I have. I mean, I've been you know playing music for a long time, but. You know, life is busy and I have kids and other work and stuff. And so the opportunity, I feel like, to do music with the caliber of the people in Filthy Friends, Scott McCoy, Linda Pitman is, is drumming now, and Kurt Block, you know, and Peter Buck. I mean, it's, I just felt like, wow, this is a really special opportunity to, to really stretch myself as a songwriter. And I'm just so proud of, of what we're able to do. And yeah, and we taught, and we, and getting there for me. I like writing all kinds of different songs, but for me, there was some specific things, some political things, some environmental things that I definitely wanted to tackle.
1: So I'll go into um, uncharted territory a little bit here because I do want to ask a few things about Slater Kinney as well. In that you've announced that you know you had been working on a record, and there is another record uh, on the way. Are you finding that it those themes are also finding their way onto that record as well?
2: It's funny that it's funny. It's yes, but it's, it's a such a completely different record. It's a, it's a really, um, super psychic record.
1: Ooh, what does that mean?
2: <laughs> it's very, it's very much about, it's a little more personal in a way. Like I think with filthy friends, um, you know, I'm, I'm like writing stories and, you know, and, and talking about, growing up and stuff but I think this later Kinney record it's it's it is it it does touch on some of the same themes but the characters are even way more personal and more even more upset <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I mean were, were
1: you, so I mean two records this is a lot of writing for any artist to take on and, and, and obviously you know this is something that you want to do and it sounds like you still love to do were you doing these at the same time or was there still some separation in there
2: you know, it's funny because there was some writing, yeah, there was some writing for both bands during a certain period of time where I was like, whoa, this is intense. But, um, but yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed it. And it's really been, um, I really try and take what I can learn from each collaboration and use that experience to try something, you know, different or try, try different things in each new song that we do. Like Peter, one thing about Peter that's great is that he really writes a pre-chorus for every single song. <laughs> he does, and I'm like, "What is this part?" And he's like, "Oh, it's a pre-chorus." Nashville we call it the ramp up, you know. And I and like I, Slater Kinney had never written a pre-chorus in our lives, you know, and and. And but now I'm like oh let's try putting a pre-chorus in here you know and and it's just it's like you know just just things like that that uh, that are like fun and and interesting just push me forward to to keep trying new things
1: and of course that that bridges on to bringing in Annie Clark you know St. Vincent into the sessions as well which I think the line that was put out there was you all were looking to have some new tools brought in and and maybe that goes beyond what you're saying does that uh, does that just what Annie brings in or was there more than that.
2: She's amazing. She's just so great to work with. Wow. Yeah. She brings so much to the table. I'm just I cannot even express how like so great she is to work with.
1: I mean, the line I have on my paper, by the way, is all in one word. Holy cow. This is the coolest news of the last at least five years, maybe more. I mean, we'll see how it sounds, but I feel pretty <laughs> confident <laughs> in that. Yeah. I mean, these are, you all and, and, and her, I mean, these are two of my favorite artists, you know, of all time right here. So this is this is a fan's dream, uh, I guess. I, I don't know. I, 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 I know this is early, but, you know, is there anything you can say about this record? Um, you know, I guess how it differs from the last one.
2: I just, it's like, it's such, it was such a dream to get to work with Annie um, and, you know, I think that she really pushed us to try new things as a band. I just, I think people are really going to be excited to hear it. I, it is different, and I'm thrilled with how it turned out.
1: Is it going to be this year? I mean, are you putting out two records in 2019?
2: <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> that is a super good question. <laughs> like, what is going on with you? I mean, I don't think it's a coincidence that, like, you know, I'm 46 and I'm like, Oh wow. I've got to get, you know, got to get stuff done. Okay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) To be, you know, so involved now with filthy friends, and there is one leg of a tour date out there. Does that compromise what's going on there at all? Or or, or are you able to kind of still put it all in on both of them?
2: Oh no, I actually, it's been, it's been great. I mean, I think that, um, you know, that's one of the benefits of, of doing this for a while. Is everyone has learned how to plan.
1: <laughs> right.
2: After many records, you know, you plan things out. And, yeah, it's actually going great.
1: Uh, I'll end here. Hot Rocks just celebrated uh, its, uh, its 20th anniversary. It, it all tied together for me, in, in you know, with the song God is a Number. Once we started, really started getting that, because a lot of the things you're talking about it, peripherally, I think, you know, in that song, growing up on the internet, getting up on TV, which leads us possibly to the themes that's working on these two records right here. I don't know. Do you see that thread at all? Am I Am I, Am I? I stretching absolutely.
2: here? No, you're absolutely so right on. I thought about that record kind of a lot this year. But definitely. I feel like we've t- we touched on it with the newsletter King record. Yeah. There's there's definitely moments where I was like, oh, yeah, that, you know, it touches on these these same thing, themes of feeling that that kind of loss of, of, of a real community and, and, and in favor of our, you know, of our weird, electronic, isolating society. You know, I think that's something that that has some real, real downsides for where we're at, where we were at and especially where we're at now. Yeah, that's for sure something that that we touch on for or Kenny.
1: It's interesting hearing that record now too, a little aside here, because, you know, with no disrespect to the classic albums that come before that, I don't think I have to throw any extra praise there that hasn't already been, but, but Hot Rocks sort of sounds like the band that you become. Does that make sense? <laughs> like that's, that's where you really start to get a sense of even how you, you know, sound these days. It it really, to me, it starts with that one.
2: I really appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we had, we had all this success with Dig Me Out and, which was, it kind of came naturally to us. And then it was like, now what? Like, who are you as artists? And, PR, you know, like, it was like, well, looks like we'll have to reinvent ourselves, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's so true of just who we are. And I feel like we've, I feel like we've done that again in some ways with this new record. It's, we just feel the need to push ourselves because otherwise it's just, you don't grow as an artist unless you, you ask more of yourself, I think.
1: Well, I'm, obviously, I love everything that you all do. Trivial question here to end. Uh, I heard Carrie's book, uh, the Modern Girl book, is going to be adapted for TV. Does that mean that someone's going to be playing you? And and if so, do you have uh, knowledge or a wish of who plays <laughs> Corin Tucker on TV? <laughs>
2: um. Well, actually, you know that I think it's kind of to be determined. Yeah, and it's not really my call, but I'm sure you know. I'm sure she will pick someone awesome. Of course,
1: it's gonna be a weird. It's gotta be a weird moment. I mean, I think that would be a weird moment anyway. It's surreal, I guess, is really the word. You know?
2: <laughs> surreal, yeah, for sure. And just being like, oh my god, what happened? I'm so old now.
1: <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Especially with the uh, the fury that you still. Pump out in this music. I love it so much. Um, And I always enjoy talking with you, too. Thank you, Corin, for taking the time today. Thank
2: you so much. Yeah, I really appreciate it.
1: All right. We'll see you out there. uh, What it sounds like plenty this year.
2: Yeah, for sure. All right. Thanks so much, Kyle. Take care. All right. Take it. Okay, you too. Bye. Bye.
1: Corin Tucker talking about the Filthy Friends record, Emerald Valley, in that interview right there. Again, Slater Kinney back with a new record. It's called The Sinner Won't Hold. And that does it for this one. Before you get out of here, again, I hope you hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening to right now. We put out interviews Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. You can do that uh, anywhere you get your podcast from. And, of course, if you're already a subscriber, again, please uh, consider leaving a review about the series and giving a rating as well. And after that, head to wfpk.org. Where I do a show Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern, where you can also find some bonus episodes of this. It's an hour full of uh, new song premieres, music news, anniversary spins, and interview clips. It's wfpk.org. Consequenceofsound.net has your music and film news. You can also find me at Twitter at Kyle Meredith and Facebook slash Kyle Meredith. And that does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time.